Good afternoon, and welcome to Free to Be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to Be Faithful is a religious liberty education and awareness program created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental incursions into religious life. People of faith and our institutions have come under increasing attack in recent years by secular forces. One tool that, in, that is increasingly used by secular forces is the accusation of hate. Disagreement with same-sex marriage? Hate. Oppose abortion? Hate. Believe in biological gender? Hate. Labeling a position as hateful is a way to negate its legitimacy. Ideas, people, and groups are labeled as hateful. Well, who determines hate? One organization at the forefront of this movement is the Southern Poverty Law Center. According to them, individuals such as Tony Perkins and retired Lieutenant General William Boykin, President and Vice President of the Family Research Council, are extremists. The Family Research Council, the American College of Pediatricians, and Alliance Defending Freedom are all labeled hate groups by the SPLC. I discussed the issue of hate with Jim Campbell, Senior Counsel of the ADF. Mr. Campbell, welcome to the program. I'm glad that you were able to attend it. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm a little bit taken aback by uh, these accusations. I, I was just on the SPLC, uh, on the uh, SPLC's site, and uh, where you, these organizations, including your own, are listed, it says that opposition to equal rights for the LBGT people has been a central theme of the Christian right, organizing and fundraising for the past four decades. These groups are not listed on the basis of opposition to same-sex marriage or the belief that Bible describes homosexuality as act, as sinful. Anti-LGBT groups engage in crude name-calling and disseminating disparaging propaganda and falsehoods about this population, such as the claim that gay men molest children at a vastly higher rate than straight men. I don't see how this has any bearing whatsoever on what the ADF does. Uh, that that's exactly right. I mean, what this really boils down to is that Alliance Defending Freedom has a position on marriage. It's the same position on marriage that uh, Christians have taken throughout human history. It's the the idea that marriage is the union of a man and a woman. Um, and so, Alliance Defending Freedom, we advocate for that position. And the Southern Poverty Law Center disagrees with that position. They view marriage uh, very differently than we do. They advocate for very different positions than we do. That is a good faith disagreement about a matter of social policy and the way that uh, the law should interact with society and the way that the law should treat the institution of marriage. That's not a reflection of, of this term hate. It's simply a good faith disagreement about a matter of social policy. Well, for example, the following faiths reject the concept of same-sex marriage. American Baptist Church, Assemblies of God, the Mormons, Islam, of course, our own Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the National Baptist Convention, Orthodox Jewish Movement, Roman Catholic Church, Southern Baptist Convention, and United Methodist Church. Using the standards of the SPLC, they could call all major religions hate groups. That, that's exactly right. I mean, if they're going to be consistent across the board, then it's inevitable that every couple of years they will roll out more and more groups like Alliance Defending Freedom and others who believe that marriage is the union of a man and a woman, and they'll continue to throw out this label and to expand um, their accusations of hate uh, across the nation. And so that's why our position is, is that rather than 
focus on this instead of getting involved in name-calling. Let's just focus on the good work that we're doing. At Alliance Defending Freedom, as I said, we do advocate uh, for the truth that marriage is the union of man and a woman, but we also advocate against government discrimination uh, of, that's directed at people of faith. And so we're focused on doing that good work. We're, we're an organization that has won um, four or five cases before the U.S. Supreme Court over the last seven years alone. Um, we're doing great work. We're doing significant work. And we're not concerned with organizations that are uh, simply caught up in, in a name-calling game. Well, I'm reading a, an editorial that was published by the, uh, actually, I suppose it's a, uh, it is a uh, opinion column. And it was uh, published by uh, Judy Shepard in Time Magazine. And she's the mother of uh, Matthew Shepard, the uh, gay man who was brutally murdered some years ago. And she actually takes you all on by name, uh, describing you as, for example, filing uh, re uh, frivolous lawsuits. Now, the ADF has filed many lawsuits, but not one has been rejected as being frivolous, and a number have gone straight up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, th that's exactly right. And in fact, um, at the bottom of that piece written by uh, Mrs. Shepard at the Time Magazine's website, uh, Time has agreed to publish our very brief response um, to that piece, which lays out the flaws with, with what she's saying about our organization, one of which you pointed out, and that is uh, ADF has been ex in existence for almost 25 years. Uh, we've been litigating cases almost throughout that entire time, and we've never had a single case thrown out as frivolous. She also accuses ADF of, of basically filing lawsuits that uh, take advantage of people. Well, far from taking advantage of people, ADF uh, only represents people that come to us and seek our help, and we represent people who are being discriminated against or mistreated uh, because of their faith. And so the, the accusations simply don't hold water. But again, it's, it's, it's in kind with what the Southern Poverty Law Center is doing. Um, instead of engaging in the arguments, instead of looking at these, these debates, whether it's the meaning of marriage or whether it's uh, the truth about the human person, that we're created male and that we're created female, instead of engaging in those arguments, they, they simply want to call names and shut down the, the discussion, and, and that's not something we're interested in doing. Well, let's explore the SPLC a little bit further. Um, it seems to me that when they began, they actually had some very good things that they were doing. Uh, for example, they did attack, uh, they took on the Ku Klux Klan in civil court and essentially broke it. But something happened between then and now. Uh, I don't quite understand why they have done this, but uh, some very strange things have been happening. Now, some of the groups that they do list are obviously hate groups. Uh, they list the Aryan Brotherhood as being a hate group. They also go after uh, some African-American groups. A, a Nation of Islam is listed as a hate group. But how on earth they equate Family Research Center or uh, FRC uh, or the uh, ADF, uh, pardon me, of the uh, ADF with this. I just, I just don't follow that logic at all. What's been going on? Uh, yeah, ne neither do we. And that, one of the things that we pointed out in our response to Miss um, Shepard um, and her allegations of hate against us uh, is we pointed out that you know she sadly does know what true hate is. Um, she lost her son to senseless violence, and we at ADF uh, we condemn that flatly. Um, and that is true hate. Organizations that are, that are engaging in violence, 
organizations that are disparaging people simply for the sake of disparaging people, that has no place in our public life or in our social dialogue. But what we're focused on at ADF is nothing of the sort. We're focused on, again, defending people of faith who are being persecuted or being discriminated against for simply trying to live out their faith, and whether that's living out their faith in the marketplace or whether that's living out their faith faith on campus. These are the issues that we're involved in, and, and there's just no way um, that under any reasonable understanding of the term hate that what we're doing can be uh, included in that category. Well, I'm concerned also that that this concept of hate has uh, is really starting to permeate a great number of areas within our social life. Uh, for example, we have a pastor here at the IC, Jonathan Fisk, uh, who actually has, sits directly across from me in the office. And he was invited by a group called the Lutheran Student Fellowship to talk to the, uh, the group at uh, Washington University here in St. Louis. And the topic of his was the original diversity, man and women in Christ. Now, a group called the uh, College Democrats saw the flower, uh, flyer, and according to them, according here, took the time to look up into Jonathan Fisk and were appalled to realize that the Lutheran Student Fellowship endorsed an unabashedly homophobic, ultra-conservative, transphobic, anti-choice fearmonger. And uh, they held a, a, a counter-demonstration against that. They're saying that Fist disparages others and argues that they don't deserve the same rights that he does. When confronted with this type of hateful and intolerant rhetoric, we have no choice but to voice our disapproval. And I have to tell you, I know Jonathan Fisk very, very well. There's not a hateful bone in the man's body. But these people simply saw the talk that he was invited by a Christian group to address a Christian group on Christian values as somehow attacking them. The, the trouble here, I mean, one of many troubles, is that there's this, what we're doing is we're transforming a belief for something, and we're saying that that's necessarily against anything that doesn't approve. You know, it's anti, it's hateful to something that doesn't um, fall in line with that. And that simply isn't true. Um, for you to be for something and to think that something is the optimal or something is um, the best or it's God's plan for humanity, that doesn't mean that you're uh, spewing hate toward anything that's different from that. And so there's this, if you're not for me, you must hate me, that's built into this. And it's just not true. And and frankly, it's it's that notion that is driving more division within our society. It's that notion that is creating more divide uh, within America. And so one of the things, probably the most alarming trend that we've seen from the Southern Poverty Law Center's hate group list is that it's caused a lot of people to take that at face value, not to research the organizations, and then to go out and act on that. And so you mentioned earlier that the FRC, Family Research Council, has been included on that list. And not too, um, in the not-too-distant future, after they were first added, um, there was somebody that tried to go into their building and tried to went with a gun and was going intending to harm people. And when he was, uh, he was stopped and when he was arrested, he told people that one of the reasons why he was doing that was because the Southern Poverty Law Center said that the Family Research Council is a hate group. And then fast forward more recently to earlier this year, and you have uh, 
Charles Murray, who's a uh, well-known conservative uh, writer and thinker, and he too is on that that hate groups list and or hater list or whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> and he was subject to violence by a group that w- again was relying on the fact that the Southern Poverty Law Center had branded him that way. So this is dangerous what these organizations are doing. It's not just oh, well, yeah, they're using a little bit um, over-the-top rhetoric. This is dangerous. They're actually creating a social climate and a political climate where the people that they are calling out are being subject to, in some cases, physical attack. What exactly is the legal definition of hate? This is something I've been trying to find. Now, I understand, for example, with the concept of, uh, well, prior to hate speech, there's that concept of fighting words. That is not protected by the First Amendment. But the legal definition of that is very, very specific. You know, I can go up and say something to the effect of, boy, I really hate the Chicago Cubs. That's not hate speech. But if I say something like, I really hate Joe Blow, I say it to his face and then threaten physical violence, then I've committed a crime. But that's something very specific. I don't find any legal definition as to what actually constitutes hate speech or a hate group. Furthermore, I I don't understand the arguments where people say, well, the First Amendment doesn't apply to hate speech, but there's no definition. Uh, You're exactly right. Um, You talked about fighting words, and that is a very, very narrow category of speech that is not protected by the First Amendment. And specifically, the, the phrase that the Supreme Court has used is those are words that are intended to or likely to incite violence. And so, you know, if you whip a crowd up into a frenzy and say, let's go get X, Y, and Z, uh, and, and you're calling for, for violence, uh, then that is, is categorized as fighting words, and that's not protected by the First Amendment. But that's not what we're talking about in, in nearly every case uh, that, that you and I have, well, certainly in every case that you and I have been discussing today. Um, there, there simply isn't a legal definition of, of hate speech um, because certainly in America, we don't have any kind of constitutional understanding that we carve out speech that is quote-unquote hateful. In fact, we have just the opposite here in America. We make it very clear that even if speech is highly offensive, even if it has very little social value, even if the majority of people would, would feel demeaned by it, that is not a valid basis for shutting it down. That is still entitled to free speech protection in America. In fact, the Supreme Court just a few days ago on June 19th found that um, the the United States Patent Office could not deny a trademark request for a group simply because they thought that that group's um, title and, and name was offensive. And so this is a very long history in our country of affirming speech that even people would consider to be offensive and even speech that people would consider to be hateful. That is protected by the Constitution. And so in other nations, they do it differently. In other nations, they do have what we what are known as hate crime laws, but that's not something that that we've ever embraced in America, and for good reason, because we cherish free speech, and we believe that when free speech is allowed to prevail, that ultimately the truth and the best ideas rise to the top. And so we're not afraid of bad ideas. We're not afraid of offensive speech. Um, and again, in other parts of the world, they've taken a different approach, but here in America, um, we've gone down our own path. 
one of the ironies of it is the groups that uh, seem to oppose the concept of hate speech the most are the ones who often use it. I mean, how many times have uh, you heard President uh, Trump being referred to as a Nazi or his supporters being uh, racist or Islamophobes? I, you know, I, I think that you are you're certainly on to something, which is oftentimes those that are throwing around the hate allegation um, might be violating their own, the own uh, their own principles that they're trying to establish. Um, but the bottom line for us at Alliance Defending Freedom is we really do want to focus on what we consider to be the good work we're doing. We are keeping the government from shutting down the speech of people of faith or discriminating against people of faith. And that includes so many people, including um, a member of the LCMS Church, uh, Judge Ruth Neely, who is someone that that we represent. And we also represent um, creative professionals throughout the country that are simply trying to operate their business consistent with their faith. And so um, whoever it might be, we're trying to stand up for the little person who's simply trying to live by their faith and um, the attempts by other organizations to label that as hateful, um, ultimately we think are just empty. Well, again, what you pointed out, I think is very, very important here, is that a lot of people are being persecuted because of their beliefs. Uh, You've pointed out uh, small business people, well, for example, the Kleins, uh, or other other people who do specialty things, whether it's uh, floral arrangements, wedding photography, or... Uh, right now, there's a case in Michigan, and of, of all things, about a guy uh, trying to sell produce at a farmer's market. And uh, these people are are uh, not just being opposed, but they're being punished and persecuted to the point of bankruptcy. That, that's right. And they're also being subject to, in many cases, slander campaigns. And again, it's much like these hate allegations that are being thrown around. Um, against organizations like Alliance Defending Freedom and Family Research Council, but they're also uh, being thrown uh, around against these people who are simply trying to live out their faith. And they're frankly wrong, because when you look at someone like, say, for instance, Baronelle Stutzman, she is a floral artist in Washington State. She gladly serves everyone. She'll serve everyone in her community, no matter their race, sex, sexual orientation, religion. But If somebody asks her to design custom floral arrangements to celebrate a same-sex marriage, she can't do that, that one request, because of her beliefs about marriage, because she can't promote an idea about marriage that is inconsistent with her faith. And so for for people to say that someone like Baronelle Stutzman, that they're hateful, that's simply not true because she has a pattern and practice of serving everyone, including... Uh, LGBT citizens, including one LGBT citizen in particular, for nearly 10 years, the very uh, gentleman who asked her to design the flowers for his same-sex wedding. And so this... The other side oftentimes doesn't want to engage with the the truth of who these people are. These are our neighbors, these are our friends, and these are individuals that are happy to serve and help everyone. But there are some requests to promote messages or participate in events that they simply can't do. And just because they have these few things over here that they can't do, it is entirely unfair to then label them as someone who who is hateful and should be excluded from the public square. 
I wish I could say that I'm optimistic about the future, but we're seeing, uh, and it seems to be to an increasingly acrimonious and divisive society over some very basic issues. And I'm not sure where it's going to lead. Do you have a feeling for this? Uh, if I had a feeling for that, I bet I could make a lot of money in the <laughs> stock market or, or, or in politics. Um, I, I don't know um, where it's ultimately going to go, but, but here's one thing I do know. I know that um, we as Christians are called to the truth and to be a witness for the truth and to speak about the truth and to not shy away from the truth. And so no matter where public sentiment goes, no matter whether the acrimony builds or whether it wanes, at the end of the day, we're called to truth. And we're called to, when asked, when put in difficult situations, not to compromise the truth. And so for some people, that might be, um, you know, in a conversation over a Thanksgiving dinner table to not shy away from a difficult conversation. Or for someone else, like Baronel Stutzman, who I just mentioned, it might be um, conducting her business consistent with her faith, even though that's going to give rise to um, slander accusation, accusations against her and death threats and other things of the sort. I'm not sure what form that's going to take for each person, but for all of us, at some point in time, we're going to be asked, do you really believe this? Are you really going to stand for this? And are you really going to reflect the truth and, and to defend the truth? And so that's a question that we all need to ask, ask ourselves. And that's really where we need to make a personal decision. How are we going to uh, approach it? And hopefully um, most people will be willing to stand by their beliefs. Um, and, uh, and in the end, we'll see whether the acrimony builds or whether it goes away. What's on the horizon for uh, for ADF? What do we have hanging in the uh, court system right now? Well, we um, argued a case two months ago before the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, it is the Trinity Lutheran Church case. Uh, that is a case that involves a, um, a government reimbursement um, grant that was available to all organizations if they wanted to install rubber surfaces on their playgrounds to make the playground safer for kids. And um, unfortunately, the state of Missouri carved out all religious organizations. And they said, you know, if you're a religiously affiliated organization, you're not allowed to get the money. And so we filed a lawsuit and the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to hear the case. And we argued, as I said, two months ago. And now we're waiting for the court to decide. The court should decide the case in the next seven to eight days. Um, and so we're hopeful that the court will rule for Trinity Lutheran Church. Um, but that's a very significant case. Anytime you can get a win before the U.S. Supreme Court, it establishes a precedent that applies across the entire country. And so this would make it very clear that you can't treat religious organizations as second-class citizens. When you're, when you're just giving a secular benefit like a safer playground surface, you can't carve out people of faith. You can't carve out religious organizations. Um, As you pointed out, this is a Missouri case and has a lot of local interest. And correct. there's been a lot of misinformation in the media concerning this. Uh, one of the most common uh, errors that I have seen in media coverage on this is, well, gee, you know, they're tax exempt, therefore they shouldn't be eligible for anything. And now the problem is, is that this particular program was specifically only for tax exempt organizations. None of the organizations that were eligible paid property tax. 
And and that's just one of the misconceptions um, that that have been uh, spread about about that case. Um, and I think another one is that um, you know that the government simply because of the so-called separation of church and state that the government can never give money in any form or any sort of benefit at all ever to a religious organization. And again, that that can't be true. And and the Supreme Court's case law over the years has affirmed that that's not true. Because if it were true, then police and fire departments could decline to come to churches when they're either on fire or there's some sort of um, altercation where police uh, protection is needed. And But that's not the law. I and mean, the law is that when you're providing these sorts of secular benefits, that religious organizations should be treated uh, the same as non-religious organizations. and so Not to mention the fact that their members are taxpayers. That's correct. That's correct. And so th- that's one issue that we're, that we're dealing with, um, and we're very eagerly awaiting the Supreme Court's decision over the next um, seven, to, seven to eight days. Um, but, you know, we have, we have a lot of other things. Um, we're waiting for the Supreme Court to decide whether to take um, a case out of California that involves a state law that requires um, pro-life pregnancy centers to essentially advertise for the abortion industry. They have to to make give a referral um, to the people that come in to see them and let them know that there's an option available for them to go uh, get an abortion somewhere. Now, of course, forcing someone who, particularly for religious reasons, uh, fervently believe in the, believes in the sanctity of human life to give a referral for an abortion strikes at the heart of conscience. And so that's a case that we're very, very concerned about, and we're hopeful that the the Supreme Court will decide to take that case up. Well, certainly it even violates the, you know, all sorts of tenets of the First Amendment. I mean, free speech does not mean mandated speech. Uh, that that is exactly right. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. The 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 right of free speech includes not only the right to say what you um, what you want to say, but also the freedom to decline to say what you don't want. So the government can't force you to denounce your faith, for an example, or as we see in a lot of these cases that I've mentioned before, the government can't force you to create speech or participate in an event that promotes same-sex marriage, for an example, if that's an understanding of marriage that conflicts with your beliefs. And so this idea of free speech is is, har- is right at the heart of a lot of these legal disputes. Mr. Campbell, we're entering the last minute of the program. Could you tell people how to get in touch with the ADF to learn more about the organization? Uh, yes, I'd love to. It's uh, Our website is the best uh, place to get more information about us. It is um, alliancedefendingfreedom.org.org. And um, there's a ton of information about our cases, about our clients. There are videos um, where you can hear our clients' stories and find out about what we're doing. Well, thank you very much. This has been a very informative program. There's a lot going on that uh, people really need to be up uh, informed about it. You've been listening to Free to Be Faithful. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will be back in one month with yet another Free to Be Faithful program. I'm your moderator, Kip Allen.